We know very well that Koyak's rebellion was misguided when we see the people who brought the Keteris on his behalf are burnt up in fire and when he gets swallowed in the ground. And yet the Torah says they still needed to prove that Aaron deserved to be the Kohen Gadol by each shaver bringing a stick and putting it into the oil moed, the one that would sprout forth with almonds, that would prove that he was in fact in the right position, consolidating Aaron's position. Why do we need another proof? Let's look at how Rashi analyzes that story because it will give us tremendous insight. <coughs> the Rebbe has explained numerous times. So Rashi Rashi's intention is to address any questions that a five-year-old learning the simple understanding of the Pasuk would have while learning the Pasuk. If you do have a question on the Pshat of the Pasuk, and you don't see Rashi commenting on it, so you have to conclude one of two things. Either either it's a self-evident resolution to the question, or Rashi has given us information <coughs> either in context or in a different place, and that information would resolve the question for us. With that in mind, let's have a look at what Rashi says in our parasha. The parasha says, after the Torah tells us about Korach and his followers being swallowed in the earth, that the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up. The purpose of which was that people would know that Moshe says, they just sent me to lead you. And to do all of these things, make all of these appointments. As Rashi says, that I was on Hashem's instructions when I appointed Aaron Akon to be the Kohen Gadol. Plus, in addition to that, we see the punishment of the people who were burnt up when they brought the Keturus. The Pasuk tells us a fire descended from heaven and devoured the 250 people who brought Keturus. That proved that the person that David has chosen, i.e. Aaron Akoyen, he's the holy person, he deserves his position, and everybody else is destroyed. And then after that, there was still a plague that affected people. And eventually the Torah Masupar Oidas Porach Mate Aaron tells us about the sprouting of almonds on Aaron's staff that was put into the oil moid. That really doesn't seem necessary. Why was it not good enough to have these incredible signs? Fire burning people up, the earth swallowing people. Surely that would have been sufficient to neutralize the complaints the people had about Aaron being the Kohen Gadol. Why is it necessary for another proof that Aaron's staff will blossom? So let's have a look at what Rashi says. The Pasuk tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu was told that he has to take the staff of Aaron, take it back into the oil moed, in fact, into, into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and preserve it as a sign that Aaron deserves to be the Kohen. Perish Rashi. Rashi says, what is the purpose of preserving this staff? This will be a, an eternal memorization of the fact that they chose Aaron as the Kohen Gadol. Nobody will contest the rights of the Kohen ever again. That's what Rashi says. Now, the Ramban immediately says, one second, is this evidence that Aaron is the Kohen Gadol or that Shevet Levi is the special Shevet? Because of Ramban, I'll pierce Rashi there. The Ramban says, actually, this staff indicates the greatness of the sh- uh, tribe of Levi. That they were chosen from amongst all the other Shvatim. And it's not actually evidence to the fact that Aaron is the Kohen Gadol, because this was 
12 staffs representing 12 tribes. So it is consolidating the position of the Shevet, Levi. Valkem Pirsh, therefore the Ramban, has a different explanation than Mishmeris Lois, Al Shevet Levi Tumurei Habachoros. He sees that the almonds that sprouted on Aaron's stick tell us that Shevet Levi deserves to replace the firstborns. And therefore, burning out the people who brought Ketoros, that consolidates the role of a Koyen, and it's specifically a Koyen Gadol. Only he can bring Ketoros, or at least on Yom Kippur, everybody else, you could bring Ketoros during the rest of the year. And the sprouting of the almonds, that consolidates the position of the Levi. So the Ramban has a different view to Rashi. Let's see how we understand why Rashi specifically believes that this is to consolidate Aaron's opinion. So we're going to look at various Mephoshim, two sets of Mephoshim, we try to explain it, two opinions each. So some Mephoshim want to say that Rashi's intention is the sprouting of almonds on Aaron's staff, Hoya al was there to settle two contentious issues. Hein al Firstly, to consolidate the fact that Aaron deserves to be the Kohen and specifically the Kohen Gadol. And simultaneously, to ratify the Levim as the people to represent the Jewish people in the Temple. Why would you need both? So the Mephoshim say Rashi wants us to know that these two factors are both represented in the Parach um, Mate Aaron for the following reasons. Number one, because if we were to go with the Ramban's opinion, which is the 12 staffs, they represent 12 Shvatim, one of them sprouts, it's the one of Shevet Levi, so therefore it's there to, uh, to emphasize that Shevet Levi deserves their role. If that's what it was all about, well then, Aleph, Azai, Loi Hoya Matanikre Mate Aaron. We should not have called it the staff of Aaron, and Amate Eloz ben Aaron, who be Yosinasi Shevet Levi. Then we should have called it the staff of Elozar, who is the representative of Shevet Levi. Because that's what happened with the other 11. They were all staffs taken from the Nasi representative of their Shevet. If this staff is supposed to represent the Shevet, it should come from Elazar, not from Aaron. Secondly, there's another interesting thing. On the actual staff, it didn't have the name of the Nasi who represented the Shevet. What happened? It, sh- it should have said the names of the Shvatim. Instead, it says the names of the people. So, therefore, the Mephoshim say Rashi is forced to tell us that this can't just be about Shevet Levi and its position because the context of how this sign was set to work was actually about Aaron very much. So, it, it's got to be about him, at least partly about him. Another perspective, Other Mephoshim say, well, there are hints in the way the story is told that allude to the fact that obviously this is about Aaron's position as well, or possibly primarily about Aaron's position. Where the sprouts came out of the staff was in the letters of Aaron's name, not on some random place on the staff. And secondly, the Lushan expression the Torah uses, that it budded, that alludes to the Kuna Gadola, which of course is represented by the, the tzitz, the band that the Kohen Gadol wears on his forehead. And the various others that the Mephoshim bring as well. Now these are all great insights. They only have one common problem and that is There's absolutely nothing in Rashi's language that even hints 
at any of these suggestions. So if that's the case, we're back to square one over Cholof and Sarchlov, and we have to understand, even if you were to adopt all of these insights of the Mephoshim, that there is an abundance of uh, insinuation that the purpose of the staff sprouting almonds was to verify Aaron's position. Still, we're back to square one. Why do we need yet another indicator that Aaron belongs in his position? After Kerach's been swallowed and everybody else has been burnt, why is that not good enough? So, in order to understand why this is and why, why Rashi says that this is specifically about proving Aaron's position, not Shevet Levi, we have to look at how Rashi describes the process of how these almonds formed. We'll understand all of our questions. Understanding how Rashi uh, comments on the process of the blooming and blossoming of, these, of the stuff. First thing, when the Torah tells us, literal translation, and it produced flowers, because of Rashi, Rashi says that's literal. So it actually produced blossoms or flowers. Why does he have to tell us? If it's literal, then don't say anything, and we'll know. And if it's not, if it's not clear that it's literal, well then, it doesn't make sense. This is now the third time that the, a variant of the word perach is used in the Pasuk. Why is Rashi only explaining it now? He should have explained it earlier, when this was described or predicted to be the sign, whoever Hashem chooses, that's whose staff will blossom. At that point, he should have said, blossom means, why wait until the third time and only explain it now? Question two, moving apart, but it's very simple. Rashi will only explain something if it's not simply understood from either the translation or the context. But if the words make sense, which means if I know what the words are or the context of the words are, I understand what's going on. Rashi doesn't say anything. Because you don't have to explain something that is self-evident. So Rashi doesn't have to say literal. Well, if it's literal, don't say anything. Then we'll know that it's literal. On the infrequent occasions where Rashi does say, well, actually it is literal or as it sounds, that's because you would have thought otherwise. You would have read this word and thought it was non-literal. That's why Rashi has to tell you it's literal. So the context is basically going to help us understand and actually it is So now why does Rashi have to tell us in this Pasuk that means literally Well what would we have thought? So the Sifsa Chachamim want to explain, well, what Rashi is doing over here is when you have two words side by side and one is literal and the other isn't, he'll contextualize and say, this one is Kamash Ma'oi, that one needs to be explained. If you have two expressions like we have over here, 
porach, which is the one expression, v'hadar which is another expression, both of which are about the production of the flowers, bl- blossoms, buds on the stick. O porach o mahu. In this case, we know what porach means. And we don't know what sits means in an agricultural context. Therefore, Rashi will lead us in that direction and say, okay, Porach, you know, I don't have to explain it. But sits is not a word you're familiar with, so I do have to explain it, and it means the ripening of a fruit. That's how the Sif Sechachamim want to explain it. The only thing is what the Sif Sechachamim says actually not only doesn't answer the question, it might only highlight the question. It's a far greater question. Look, think about it this way. Hello. Let's assume that Rashi had only explained the words because we're not familiar with them. Well, then, that would only emphasize for us that the words don't have to be explained because they are literal. Whereas what Rashi's now done is use the word That's actually started our mind working. So what did he want to negate? What alternative explanation might you have had that can't be accepted? So there's our question. Why does Rashi have to say Let's continue. What does Rashi explain further? Rashi says That's the ripening of the fruit. And then he tells us something which surely has nothing to do with the story. That's when the actual blossoms fall off. Now the fruit comes out and the blossoms that were there before fall off. Let's remember, Rashi's goal is explain the simple understanding of the Pasuk. Which means explain the words that we might not know and explain the flow and context of the Pasuk that we might not understand. Rashi's job is not to give detailed descriptions of elements that appear in the story. Unless those details are critical to understanding the simple meaning of the Pasuk. So in Ken Sochlovin, if that's the case, what's going on over here? Why is it directly relevant to our conversation here about proving Aaron's position to know how almonds ripen? To know that the fruit ripens and at that time the blossoms fall off. Why is that important? I mean, it's nice to know. It's not a botany class. Next question. Rashi continues. That it produced almonds. Says Rashi. When it was possible to identify what fruit was on this staff, they could identify that it was almonds. The expression is similar to the expression of weaning a baby. And then Rashi proves it from a Pasuk in Yeshaya that this expression works also for trees. Where it talks about exactly this principle of kind of becoming independent of the buds that were the first step of the process. Now we know, and we've discussed this previously, Rashi's language is so absolutely precise. And we have to ask, Why 
We get it. Why Rashi has to quote a Pasuk? Because he's explaining to us what the word Vayigmol means in context. Rashi is illustrating to us that the word Vayigmol is not limited only to a child being weaned off his mother's milk. But it's actually an agricultural or bot- botanical term as well. The question is, why does Rashi add to this by telling us that this is something which applies to fruit of a tree? Why doesn't he just keep it generic? This is an expression that is relevant to fruit. So now we have a whole lot of technical questions in the way that Rashi has said things. Why is he saying Why does he have to say that sits that he has to explain to us that it's uh, that the, the, the buds fall off or the blossoms fall off. Why does he have to get into the detail that it's fruit of a tree? So in order to understand that's and of course by extension to go back to our original question, which is why is Rashi insistent that the sign of the staff is specifically for Aaron's position and why do we need further proof to consolidate Aaron's position? To get to all of that, we have to acknowledge that there are other questions going on in the Pasuk over here that need to be addressed. There are a number of questions in the Pasuk. We'll look at a couple of them. Number one, Aleph. Listen to what Hashem said the sign would be. Compare it to what actually happened. What did Hashem say? The person that I choose, his staff will blossom. So that's not what actually happened. Other things happened. Additional things happened. Not only did it blossom, but it actually ripened fruit that turned out to be almonds. Why did that happen if Hashem didn't say that that was going to be necessary for the sign? Plus, these are not natural processes. This is a stick that's dead. Any growth is a miracle. Any additional growth is an additional miracle. Why the need for additional miracles? Another question, technical question on the Pasuk. It would seem that this Pasuk is repeating itself. Because, The Pasuk first tells us, Wow, they came in the morning and they discovered that Aaron's staff had blossomed. Then the Pasuk seems to repeat itself. And it produced blossoms. Well, you just told me that. So, I have the Baleatosis have a suggestion, which is that there's two expressions of blossoms because there actually are two types of blossoms. So, the Baleatosis argue that there were some blossoms on one end of the stick that blossomed and remained and never fell off. And and on the other end, or another part of the stick, were blossoms that actually fell off when the fruit ripened. So, porach and porach, because there's two different kinds of blossoms. It's a great explanation, doesn't work with Rashi. You cannot squeeze this thinking into Rashi's words. Because if Rashi did want to tell us something so stark that they're two different kinds of blossoms, he should have said so. Rashi doesn't breathe a word about it, not even as an insinuation.
So therefore Rashi is coming to actually answer these questions. Why do there appear to be more miracles than Hashem said were going to happen? And why the double language of the Perach? That's what Rashi wants us to understand. By telling us, That's the literal moment where blossoms form. And then there's a subsequent stage where the fruit ripens and those blossoms fall off. Let's understand what he's telling us. The moment Rashi tells us that the third time the word Perach appears in this conversation, that is literal, Perach Mamish, that automatically implies move on That implies that when Hashem said this is what's going to happen, and when they came in the morning and they found Neither one of those actually means blossoms. Why not? Because in the future, if you have the word porach in the context of a tree, would mean blossoms. Trees blossom. So this is the word to say they blossom. And if it's a fruit-bearing tree, those blossoms will eventually develop into fruit. But we're not talking about a tree. But when you're talking about a, an inanimate staff, not a tree, then the word perach does not necessarily only mean blossom. Any growth or expansion of the staff could be called perach. Because the word perach could also mean anything that grows or is added through, a, so to speak, organic process to an existing entity. Like we see with the Shechin that the Egyptians had, that it was called Poreach. It's the eruption of boils on their body. We don't mean that the Tzadik is going to blossom in the classical sense. So because Perach, we're talking here about something that's not a tree, therefore Perach does not have to mean blossoms. Therefore, Rashi has to negate the meaning of the word perach, that it could be anything, by telling us that when you reach the point that it says that actually is blossoms, not just little nodes that come out of the stick. They are really blossoms on an iron staff. Because originally, when, it was, when we were told that the stick is going to sprout things, it could have sprouted anything. It did not have to be blossoms. And it would have been called perach. Rashi doesn't have to tell, it, tell this information to us. Originally, when the word perach is originally presented, because we already know the word perach. Perach of our boys. We've already seen it. It means the growth or the eruption or the development of something. And you read the parasha. You know we're not talking about a tree. You know we're talking about a stick. So... You're talking about a stick and you're talking about the word porach. Could be anything that grows on the stick. Could be nodes, could be fruit, could be blossoms. So now we understand when Hashem says, 
his staff will develop things. That talks about really the whole process in one word. It starts with the original blossom. And it's actually describing everything that's going to happen all the way to the end. So there's no longer a problem between saying, well, Hashem only said it was going to blossom, but look, it blossomed and it produced fruit and the fruit were almonds. No, parach means anything that expands onto the stick. So therefore the fact that David over here says that the staff is going to blossom at some point the Torah is going to have to actually fill in for us what that actually included because it could have included a broad range of things so that to anything that was added to the stick so the Torah said tell us this is what happened that also helps us to understand the apparent doubling of the language what do the Pasuk say what say it blossomed, and it produced blossoms. First, the Torah is telling us an overview of what's happening over here. Aaron's staff is growing things. The fulfillment of Hashem's promise. This staff will grow things. And then the Torah says, these are the things that grew. Then there's ripening of fruit. And eventually the clarity of which fruit it is, it is almonds. So that's what Rashi is helping us to understand, that the Pasuk first spoke in general terms and then in specific terms and Rashi fills in that detail for us. But there's a big question over here. Surely the process is irrelevant to us. Surely it's the bottom line that counts. Who has a staff that blossomed? Aaron. Great, that's all we need to know. Proves that Aaron is the right guy for the job. Why do we have to know that it went through these steps? That's the question. Seeing as those three steps of the blossoming and development of almonds, that is just the detail of the broader message, which is that Aaron's staff blossoms. And it's not just details, it's a chronological story. It starts off with blossoms. And it concludes with almonds. So that means by the time Moshe arrives the next morning into the oil to collect the sticks, the three key steps have already happened and nobody saw it. So the pastor could have skipped the steps that nobody witnessed and just gotten to the end of it. That they were almonds. Because that's all Moshe would have seen. He would have seen almonds. He doesn't see the rest of everything developing. That's actually a question that Rajbam asks. And it's really far-fetched to suggest that when, when Moshe actually gets to Elmoid, then he, he saw the development of all three stages of the almonds developing on the staff. What would the, the value or benefit to Moshe be from seeing the unfolding of the Shkena? The entire purpose of doing this is to negate the people's complaints. 
that they should believe that Aaron is the chosen one. So what does it benefit anybody for Moshe to see the details of how it, how it blossoms? sits Therefore Rashi tells us key information when he describes the ripening of the fruit. They didn't just see ripened fruit. When the fruit ripens, the blossoms fall off. Why does Rashi want us to know that? He's showing us that the Torah wants us to know, even though it was a miracle for almonds to grow on a dead staff, the miracle played out in the normal natural fashion. And that would be part of what Moshe would be able to show the Jewish people. Not only was there a miracle, but there was a miracle that happened through natural steps. How does he show that? So Moshe first shows everybody the staffs. He showed the staffs, they all saw them, they took their own staff back. He showed them everything. He shows them a staff with almonds and the blossoms that had fallen off from where those almonds are. When the Yidden see not only a staff that has miraculous almonds on it, but also blossoms that had fallen from that staff when those almonds ripened, then they realized, wow, this must have happened happened in a natural order. Then there was the ripening of fruit that caused those blossoms to fall off and here they are in Moshe's hand. And then of course there was the finished product of the almonds themselves. So now the Jews see not only is there a miracle but a miracle that played out in the natural order which of course raises the question why is that important? Why did the Yidin have to be aware of the fact that the way that these almonds developed on the staff was natural? Why is it important for them to even know how almonds develop? The fact that a staff produced almonds is a massive miracle. Surely, if they were on the smate, on the stick, they were just finished product almonds, that would have been good enough. There are other mefoshim, we're going to look at the Radak in particular, and they give a reason why this happened in this particular way. It's not going to work with Rashi's approach. According to other mefoshim, the way that everything grew actually makes it into a greater miracle. Let's look at the Radak. Radak. The way the Radak understands it is first there were twigs that came out and then buds on the edge of those twigs. And that's the opposite of how it works. Usually there's a bud first and then a twig will grow out of it and then the blossom. Says the Radak that was there to make it an even greater miracle. But Rashi is saying the exact opposite. Because the Radak considers the bad. Rashi tells us is the ripened fruit. Rashi is actually emphasizing Dafka that the order of how everything developed on the staff is the natural order. 
So then we have a question. If the objective of all these steps is to make it a greater miracle, well then actually it should have been reverse steps. Then Rashi should have gone with the view of the Radak that it was an unnatural process and that would highlight the miracle. And if those three steps of blossoms, ripening, and then shkedim are necessary, well then surely if the purpose is to, to have almonds, we don't need those three steps. So why are those three steps necessary? Now we're at the point where we can answer the biggest question we had right from the beginning. Why do we need another proof that Aaron deserves his position? And why is this that proof? So, the fact that all of Kerach's people were swallowed into the earth, and not only them, but also their possessions, that proved to everybody, as Moshe says, that David directed me to do all of these things. I didn't make it up. At that moment, it is clear to the community, whatever Moshe does, he is Hashem's representative and he does it on Hashem's behalf. There's no personal agenda. That theme is then reinforced and even in greater detail by Shreifas Chamishim Amasayim Ishmakriva Katoris when the 250 people who participate in the Katoris get burnt up. Why? Because that proves not only is everything that Moshe does on Hashem's instruction, but specifically that Aaron is the person appointed to be in charge of the Katoris. He is the appropriate candidate to be Kohen Gadol. But that could still leave a niggling complaint in the community. The fact that Kerr's people were swallowed endorses the fact that Hashem told Moshe what to do. And that's why people were punished for challenging that. But part of Koryak's issue was, who says Aaron is a special person? Why is he elevated over everybody else? So you could say, because Hashem said so. Okay, you haven't yet asked, answered the question, why is he greater, higher than everybody else? But yes, okay. You could take it a step further. Maybe when you consider the fact that Aaron had a role to play in the Egel Azov, maybe... Maybe Aaron is not the right person to represent the Jewish people in this high spiritual position. And maybe maybe other people are better suited for him, uh, for, for the job. In fact, there's another consideration. Maybe the reason why Hashem said Aaron should be the Kohen Godel was Maybe it's because Moshe Rabbeinu davened really hard. Let Aaron have this position. In other words, there's still a doubt in people's minds. Maybe Aaron isn't the best person for the job, but they just arbitrarily decided this is what it has to be. That's why we need the sign of the blossoming staff. A staff in its natural context cannot produce blossoms or fruit. Not possible. The only way it can happen is because Hashem wants it to. On the other hand, 
when they saw the miracle of the staffs, everybody had to recognize Look how Hashem made this miracle happen. Yes, it's a miracle, and yet it still follows natural protocols. Why is that important? We'll see. That now the nature of this staff is that it becomes a natural branch that produces almonds. That's why the three steps are so important. So we will know that the way these almonds developed on the staff followed the natural process. First there were literally blossoms. And then there was the ripening of fruit that caused those blossoms to fall off. And then eventually you have a finished product and you can identify which fruit it is. It's almonds. That tells us something about Aaron. There's no question that Aaron Akoin is the Kohen God because Hashem chose him, as the Pasuk says, The person I will choose, his staff will blossom. That means the Ebishter chose Aaron. Not because anybody davened or asked or petitioned, because he chose him. But here's the chap. Once Hashem chose Aaron to be the Kohen Gadol, it became his natural state. It's not like it was superimposed on him. This is now the best candidate. Just like once Hashem chose this staff to produce almonds, it became natural for it to produce almonds. When Hashem chose Aaron to be the Kohen Gadol, it now became natural for Aaron to be the best candidate to be the Kohen Gadol. And that explains why Hashem says, put that staff back into the Kodesh HaKadoshim and keep it as a sign. This will be a reminder that I chose Aaron and nobody will ever again complain about the Kehuna. Now that Abish has illustrated that the role of being a Kohen has become the natural reality of Aaron and his family, nobody could say. Even if there are other people who really are craving being the people to serve in the Beis HaMikdash, for any other reason, it's not possible. It cannot change. You cannot appoint somebody in Aaron's place ever in the future because now it is in his DNA. And that will explain why Rashi gets into all the details of what Vayigmo means and bringing a Pasuk from Yeshaya to prove it. The fact that Rashi wants us to know that the word Vayigmol, which is normally used for weaning a baby, is also an appropriate term to refer to the growth and development of fruits. Rashi is not only telling us a technical piece of information, FYI, not only do you use this word for kids, you use it for fruit as well. What Rashi wants us to know is the type of growth that happened to these almonds. He wants us to know is a word for how things grow on a tree. These almonds were not on a tree. They were on a staff. Yet they grew in the way that fruit grows 
on the tree. And that's aligned with what Rashi says next, which is why out of all fruits did Hashem choose almonds? Because it's the quickest ripening fruit. And the message therefore is, if there is somebody who contests the kahuna, the repercussions come quickly, just like the almonds came quickly. Because as we have already pointed out, the fact that there are these three stages of the development of almonds on the staff is there to illustrate to us that it's become the natural reality of the staff. And that is a message about Aaron that not only is he chosen by Hashem, but he is now naturally aligned with what Hashem wants, the best candidate. Then the speed associated with the development of almonds is relevant to the message of Aaron's position as a Kohen Godel. That's where Rashi continues. He's telling us the fact that these are almonds out of all fruits. is directly relevant to what we're discussing and learning in this pasuk. Even though the fact that it's almonds does not in any way reinforce Aaron's position as the chosen one. Why is it there? Because it's illustrating for us this is now so much the reality and the nature of Aaron and his sons that anybody who contests it should know they're very quickly going to be in trouble. This is going to give us an insight into something that we're told in the Gemara about what happened eventually to the staff and questions about how the Gemara describes it that uh, the Mephoshim try and understand. You'll see how Rashi resolves these issues. Isabi Gemara, the Gemara tells us, Mishenignaz Oren, when the Oren was hidden before the destruction of the first base Amigdosh, Nignaza one of the things that was hidden together with the Aaron was the staff of Aaron with its almonds and its blossoms. So the commentaries asked this question on the Gemara. How could the Gemara be talking about the fact that they hid the staff with its blossoms if we know the blossoms had fallen off? Uh, just, you know, the, the almonds were free of their blossoms. By the time you have ripened almonds, you no longer have blossoms. How could it say that they hid the staff with almonds and with blossoms? That's self-contradictory. Well, maybe there was an additional miracle that some of the blossoms actually did not fall off, even though that's not natural. But that's not really a clear answer. Because the Go back to the Gemara. Why does the Gemara have to tell me when it's telling us that they hid Aaron's mate together with Aaron? Now you have to tell me also that it included blossoms? Why is it relevant? If you go with a view that miraculously there were blossoms that stayed on the stick, fine. Then if you're hiding the stick, you're hiding the blossoms. You don't have to tell me that. 
You don't go through every detail. Oh, we hid the Aaron, and not only that, but also the poles, the badim that were in the Aaron to hold it, and the Kruvim on top. You know, once you say Aaron, we know that it includes everything. Once you say the, the, the Mate, it includes everything. Maybe you could wiggle your way out of why the Gemara mentioned the almonds. That's to clarify that you shouldn't be confused that you're thinking maybe we're talking about the stuff that Aaron used for some of the plagues in Mitzrayim. Even if you squeeze that in, why is it relevant over here to know that the staff also had blossoms on it? Now Rashi's explanation fits perfectly. Rashi takes the simplest view. It doesn't say they're different kinds of blossoms, ones that fell off, ones that stayed on. Rashi's approach is really simple. The blossoms fell off and it's part of what Moshe showed the Jewish people to illustrate the natural state of these, um, of these almonds and by extension the natural state of Aaron as the king Godel. And you're moving, so then you can understand easily. Just like the very first time Moshe brought the, 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 uh, the staff to show the people, he showed them the staff and the blossoms loose. Sorry, the, the staff with the almonds and separately the blossoms. Where he needed to show them, not only is there a miracle, but the miracle followed a natural process. And that will help ensure that you never complain against Aaron or the Kohanim again. Because that will really illustrate not only Aaron's position, but the natural state of his position. Well, if that's what they used to prove to the Jewish people the first time around, if the whole objective of keeping this in the Kodesh HaKadoshim is that there'll be a constant reminder, it's got to be the same reminder. The same instruction, the same concept has to apply to the instruction, take this and put it into the Kodesh HaKadoshim as a, an ongoing symbol to the Jewish people. And reminder to the people that I chose Aaron and nobody should contest his position. Well then, well then, logic says, you've got to have all the components that are going to remind us of Aaron's position. Both the staff that has the almonds and the blossoms that fell off. Because all of that together will remind everybody how it is that Aaron became the Kohen Gadol. So therefore, even at the time where they're putting the staff away in a hidden place, what is on the staff? Almonds. What is with the staff? Blossoms. Think about it this way. When they hid the Aaron, it wasn't only to avoid it being captured by an enemy. But there's another layer of intention the Reb has explained in a different sikha. The place where the Aaron is hidden is now considered the correct natural place where the Aaron belongs for now. That's why when Shlomo Melech built the base of knowing that it was not permanent, and he designed into the subterranean section of the base. I mean, there's a place to hide there. Which means that Shlomo Amelech pre-designated that area as a place holy enough to house the Aaron, just like the Kedush HaKadoshim. So a similar kind of principle applies to those things that would be 
next to or by the Aaron. It's not just that we hide those things there because we don't want anybody to steal them. This is where they belong. When something is in its correct place, it is able to achieve its purpose. What is its purpose? Remind us not to contest Aaron's kahuna. Particularly when we talk about the staff of Aaron. How do we know that the, the, the staff of Aaron had to be hidden together with the Aaron? Because we're told that the purpose was that it should be kept as a sign. That tells us. That's telling us. That it will always be. The purpose of the staff was always to be kept in a special safe place to be a sign. So now that it's moved to the Mokim Ha'aron, which was pre-designated by Shlomo HaMelech beforehand, that is now its place. Le Mishmeres Lo is to be a sign and reminder to us. Therefore the Gemara didn't just simply say that the staff of Aaron was hidden away, but specified that it included its almonds and its blossoms. In order that we should know the Kahunas Aaron belongs to Aaron. Right now all of those things and what they represent are hidden from the eye. They'll be revealed when Mashiach comes. Where we talk about the time of Mashiach as this time of a tzaddik blossoming. At that time when Mashiach comes we'll restore Kahuna to its original status. And Aaron's staff will so to speak blossom. And that should happen in the head of your main mamash immediately.